This audio is sponsored by Brian Tracy, a special initiative from Brian Tracy for Change Your Life. Please check the description below link for more details or visit our official website www.motivationalspeech.xyz. Uh, now, we are a little bit jammed up in our schedule for a variety of reasons, but we are like Marines. We adjust, adjust, adapt, and respond, right? So we're going to finish off the day with time management strategies, right? In sequence, we'll start on time tomorrow, and we will catch up as we always do. We usually end right on time. So in time management strategies, I wanted to put this closer to goal setting and close to the superconscious mind, but it's very important because sometimes one little idea on how you use your time like Shaleen was talking about using your time differently, is very important. So we say the starting point is clarity. Is it set very specific goals. You, got, you have to have clear goals if you want to be able to manage your time properly. The number one reason that people waste their time is that they don't have goals. So it's easy for them to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and get distracted and uh, do a little email and check some spam and talk to your friends and so on. But when you have goals, they keep you focused. So the question is, what are you trying to do? What is your ultimate goal? If you were completely successful, what would you accomplish? And you need to think about this in each part of your life. The second is, how are you trying to do it? And this is a great question. What am I trying to do? How am I trying to do it? And especially when you experience frustration and you don't seem to be making progress, ask yourself, could there be a better way? In other words, is maybe the way I'm trying is, is not working? And you're going to find that in 70% of the cases, the way that you thought would work won't work. According to the American Management Society, 70% of the decisions we make in business turn out to be wrong in the fullness of time. And that's the average, somewhere above. Some make far more mistakes than that. So therefore, always when you feel that you're trying hard and you're not making uh, headway, stop the clock, say, wait a minute, what am I trying to do? How am I trying to do it? And could there be a better way? and be willing to admit that you could be wrong. One of the greatest of all time management tools is to remove your ego from the equation and be willing to admit, you know, I could be wrong. This seems like a good idea when I started off. It seemed like a good plan, but maybe I'm going the wrong direction. Maybe I'm doing it completely wrong. And be prepared, be open to the possibility that you're wrong. Now, it doesn't mean that you are, but what it does mean is if you're open to the possibility that your current way is not working, Suddenly, you're open to all kinds of other possibilities. If you're convinced that you're right and you're forced to make it right, like trying to hammer a square peg into a round hole, then you, you close off to any creative ideas. So always be open to the possibility that you could be wrong. And then always define your goals in terms of outputs. What is the result that you're trying to get? One of the great metaphysical principles of success is this, is be clear about your goal be flexible about the way of achieving it. Be clear about your goal and be flexible about the way of achieving it and recognize that almost always you will achieve your real goal in a way completely different from what you, start, from what you started off or what you anticipated. You'll try this and you'll try that. And you'll try this and you'll try that. And you'll end up achieving the goal, whether it's financial independence or great fitness and health and so on, you'll end up achieving it differently from what you expected. So, so be open. And since things are changing so rapidly in our world today, the most important quality, according to the Manager Institute, that you will need for success in the 21st century is the quality of flexibility. You've got to be flexible, willing to try new things, willing to take feedback, willing to admit that, that you could be wrong. 
and being open to completely new ways uh, of approaching it. Uh, there's an interesting story. You know, Jim Collins wrote the book Good to Great. And in Good to Great, he said that in order to, for a company to be great, in order for you to be great, three things must exist. And let me give you just sort of an example. Uh, okay, I'll get my little red pen here. This is one of my favorite little graphs. It says that you have to, first of all, do something for which you have a passion. I mean, you really have to like it, really have to enjoy it, whatever the career is. Second of all, it has to be something that you have the capability of being excellent at. And by excellent, the definition is in the top 10%. So in other words, not only do you enjoy doing it, but you must have the ability to be excellent at it. And the third circle, this, is it must be profitable. It must be something that if you really do it well, it really pays well. Many people take the time to become good at something that never pays very well. I have people come up to me and say, how can I make a lot of money shining shoes? You know, how can I make a lot of money um, selling in a, in, a, in, a, in a down or a bad industry? I say, you can't. So the third part is this, and this is, this is the sweet spot. You're looking for something where all three of these coincide. And remember, you can do lots of things in life. There's lots of things that you can do to achieve your goals. You are a bundle of resources, a bundle of intelligence and capability and knowledge and skills. So it may be that the thing you're doing right now is really not the right thing. You may have a passion for it, and you may have the opportunity to be excellent, but you can't make any money at it. And I meet people all the time that are doing things, well, this is what I love to do. Yes, but as long as you want to be poor all your life, and you want to have holes in your shoes and worry about money, you have to do something that can pay you really well if you love it and you do it well. Well, what Jim Collins was talking about was a, a Fortune 500 company that realized that they could not excel in their industry. The industry was too competitive, and because it was competitive, it drove the prices down, and so even if they were good, their profit levels would be very low. So what they decided to do was quite remarkable. They decided to sell off all the assets in this Fortune 500 company and move into an entire new industry where they really loved it, they could do it well, and was highly profitable. And as a result, they went from average performance for two or three decades to becoming one of the most exemplary companies and most profitable companies in the US. They were able to actually shift out of an entire industry, sell off the assets to people who could manage them better, take all that money, billions and billions of dollars, and put it into a whole new industry and start over again. When a, when, a, when a huge company has the courage and the honesty and the flexibility to do something like that, well, it's a, probably a good thing for us to think about doing as well. So uh, allocate your tasks based on your hourly rate. This is one of the most important skills that we teach to our advanced coaching clients. We say, how much do you earn per hour? And you'll find that average people think in terms of how much they earn in a month or a year. If you are thinking in terms of your income on a monthly basis, well, then you can waste Monday and Tuesday, and you can waste the first week of the month, and you can kill time, because actually, get paid by the month. And what happens with most people when they get their first job is they find they get paid as long as they show up. So now you show up and you get paid by the month. The average person in America wastes fully 50% of working time every day. They just waste it. I'll probably come across this and mention this again. They waste it doing things that are of low or no value because what the heck, they got a whole month. They'll catch up later. If they don't catch up this week, they'll do it next week. 
If they don't get it this month, they'll do it next month. So how much do you earn per hour? This is the starting point. The top 10% of people always think in terms of their hourly rate. So you divide your annual income by 2,000. So you say, all right, let us say you earn $50,000 a year, that divided by 2,000, which is the average number of years that an entrepreneur, business owner, um, person who is personally responsible for their work life works. How much is 50,000 divided by 2,000? Yeah, it's 25. Remember teacher told you stroke off the zeros, divide by. All right, so it's $25 an hour. So if you sincerely desire to earn $50,000 a year, then you must earn $25 every hour, 250 days a year. In other words, you can't get out what you don't put in. One of the great problems in our economy today, and the chickens are coming home to roost, is this enormous number of people out there who are wasting time at work and expecting that somehow they're going to get paid for drinking coffee, surfing the internet, and reading the paper. And what happens is these people lose jobs, and now we're seeing people who have been out of work six months, and a year, and two years, and the danger is that in our economy, these people may never work again. They may be sitting at home, dependent upon their wife working at the supermarket for years, because what is happening is they're allowing their earning ability the quality of their work to decline to the point where they just can't be hired. No intelligent employer can afford to hire a person who contributes less than they cost. I mean, that would just be dumb. And so these people have allowed their ability to, to be productive to decline to the point where they are no longer worth their hourly rate. So let's say you want to earn $25 an hour. Then you have to look at your work and say, what is it that I do that pays $25 an hour or more and then you have to do that work all day long. If you want to increase your income, then you say, how much do you want to earn? Let's say you want to earn $100,000 a year. How much is that per hour? It's $50 an hour. See, two times 25, not really a hard calculation. You can use your calculators if you like. So that means you want to earn $50 an hour. So what are the things that you do or can do that pay $50 an hour? And whatever they are, if you want to earn $50 an hour, or 100000 per year, you've got to do those all day long. You cannot be paid $50 an hour if you're doing $10 or no dollar an hour work. And people have this fantasy that somehow they'll catch up. No, your hours are like hotel rooms. If you do not rent out the hotel room, you can't save it up for tomorrow. And the majority of people think, well, I can waste time in this hour, but I'll somehow I'll catch up in another hour and make up for that lost hour, and maybe the lost morning, and maybe the lost day. And every one of us, have you ever had the experience you go home and say, I didn't get a damn thing done today? You ever had that experience? And you think, oh, geez. If it doesn't make you uncomfortable, because you know you can't catch up for that day. So we say, refuse to do anything that doesn't pay you your desired hourly rate. Refuse to do anything that doesn't pay you your desired hourly rate. We say, the best time management strategy is the word no. If it is not the highest and best use of your time, refuse to do it. Somebody says, hi, you've got a minute to chat? No, not right now. I've got to get back to work. Why don't you go down the hall and talk with him and ruin his career? All right? In other words, just say no at work when people want to do things. You'll find that most people who are going nowhere with their lives want company. And the greatest time waster in work is other people wasting your time. 
They're almost like leeches. They bleed your time. And sometimes they're very nice and they're conversational and they're charming and they're fun to talk to, which is the greatest danger of all because the law of least resistance says, well, sure, we'll have a little chat and talk and go for lunch and shoot the breeze because they're such a nice person. And oh my God, the morning's gone and you haven't done anything. And pretty soon you get into a habit of coming to work and finding the nicest person and wasting your time with idle chit-chat. So the rule is, there's nothing wrong with idle chit-chat, but as Drucker says, if you spend more than 10% of your time in social interaction at work, then you are uh, out of control of your time. You are malorganized, and you're going to get a chance to explore new careers very soon. Uh, so say no. Say, I'd love to talk to you now. Let's talk after work. Let's talk at lunch. Why don't we talk uh, on the weekend? In other words, have them talk to somebody else, but not at work time. Sometimes I will ask my, my audience, as I say, uh, how much do you get if you work at McDonald's? Everybody knows you get what? Minimum wage. Now, if you went to work for McDonald's, compare this to the way you work today. If you went to work for McDonald's and you went to work there, do you think you could kind of stroll in half an hour after starting time with your Starbucks cup and sit down, chat, and read the paper, and do a little email, and phone home, and play a little music on the band, blah, 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 and uh, chat with your friends, and go off for lunch. Do you think you could do that at McDonald's at minimum wage? No, if you worked at McDonald's at minimum wage and your starting time was 8.30, if you were there at 8.31, all hell is going to break loose. They know that they can do not, cannot allow anybody to violate the starting times, or everybody does. You punch in, and what do you do then? When do you go to work? You go to work when? Immediately. And you think you can stroll and chat with your friends? No, you get your uniform on, you go to work, and they have a manager there, and those managers are good, and the managers are right back there all the time. You know, they used to, used to in, the, in, the, in the old days, I remember the old days, the, the, the officers would stand behind the men in the front lines, and to make sure they didn't back up, they walk with a pistol behind the men. And so they knew that if they backed up, they would be shot. If they went forward, they might live. Might die, might live. They had a 50% chance going forward. They got a 100% chance of dying if they backed up. Those were the old days. You know, we have been doing it that way for quite a while. Um, but it sure worked. Uh, it sure made brave soldiers. Anyway, my, my, my point is that the, 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 uh, work, the, the manager at McDonald's is behind these people all the time and watching them all the time. And you get a 30-minute lunch break, and it's not 30 minutes and 30 seconds. It's 30 minutes, and you are back on the line. Imagine you trying to work the way you work at McDonald's. Can you imagine that? You couldn't even do it for minimum wage at McDonald's. You would be embarrassed. You'd be fired so fast. If you worked the way you worked during the day, you'd be fired so fast from a McDonald's that it would be, you'd be out of there like, well, anyway. So my point is, you have to put it on yourself. My friend Zig says, if you will be hard on yourself, life will be easy on you. But if you insist upon being easy on yourself, life is going to be very hard on you which means is say no to anything that is not a good use of your time. Now, the law of three is one of the great breakthrough concepts. It says that there are only three things that you do in work that account for 90% of your value, only three. And the way you find those three, and we teach these in our coaching programs, and we say, if you come to my program, I will show you how to double your income and double your time off within 12 months. And then I teach them some of these quick concepts, and they double their income and double their time off within sometimes 12 days. They're so astonished. 
And this is one of the things that I always teach. And it is the law of three. So what you do is you say, if you, what you do is you, you make a list of everything that you do in the course of a week or a month. You'll find that you do probably 10 or 20 things and you write them all down. And then you go over the list and you ask this magic question. And the magic question is there, is if you could only do one thing all day long, which one activity contributes the greatest value to your work? the greatest value to yourself, the greatest value to your life. What is the one activity? Now, you'll know that because it'll pop off the page. You'll say, oh, if I could do this all day long, this would contribute the most value. So you put a circle around it. The second thing you do is you then say, if I could only do two things all day long, which would be number two? And you put a circle around that. And number three may take a little bit more thought, but if I could only do three things all day long, what would they be? And then you take those and you put them on a separate piece of paper. And then as you look at that, you'll see that if I just did these three things all day long, I would contribute more value to my company than everything else I do. Because everything else is in the 10%. This is not even the 80-10 rule, 80-20 rule. This is 90-10. Three things account for 90% of your value. Now, if you don't know what these three things are, you're in great danger of wasting your career. You'll end up just wasting time, shooting the breeze, and so on. If you know what these three things are, here is the great rule. And it's not even written down here. And the rule is this, is do fewer things, but do more important things, and do them more often, and get better at them. Do fewer things, but do more important things, and do them more of the time, and get better at them. That simple principle doubles the income of every person who ever applies it. And sometimes so fast are, people are shocked at how much more productive they become overnight and how much more value they contribute and how much more money they make and how much more time they have off. We had a woman, Cynthia, came to our program and after the first session where we taught her this, she came back 90 days later to the second session and I asked, has anybody had any positive experiences since they were here 90 days ago? And she stood up and she said, yes. She said, let me tell you the story. That last session changed my life. She said, I've been working for an entrepreneurial high-tech company for eight years. She said, she's about 32, 33, maybe 34. She's got two children. She works from 7 in the morning till 8 or 9 at night. She has never get, doesn't see her kids. Her husband puts her kids to bed. She works on the weekends. She's spinning her wheels. And she came to this course desperately to find some way to simplify her life. So you took this little test. She picked on the major three and shocked her. These are the three things she does. And she's trying to do 25 other things as well. So she said she went back to her boss who on Monday morning. She said, I could, I, she called him on Sunday. She said, could I meet with you on Monday? They set it up for 10 o'clock. Boss has a clock on his office wall. She sat down with him. She said, I've been to this coaching program, and I've learned that there's only three things that I do that contribute 90% of my value. And I would like you to help me delegate and, and outsource all those other things so I can do just these three things. And if I can do just these three things, I can think I can double my contribution to this company. And if I do, I'd like you to double my salary, double my income. And he said, well, what are the three? He gave her, she gave her the three. He said, well, Cynthia, you're absolutely right. This is what we hired you to do, and this is what you'd do better than anybody. If you just did these all the time, you'd make far more of a contribution. 
So he said, okay, it's a deal. I'll, make, get a, I'll get an assistant to take care of that. I'll outsource this. I'll s- clean your plate of all this other stuff so you can do just these three things. She said, and he did, and I did, and he did. He agreed to pay me double. He helped me get rid of those people, those, those small tasks. I doubled my productivity, and he doubled my income. In 30 days after eight years, I was pay, being paid more, and I left work before 5 o'clock every day. I spent time with my family. I got my life back. And he said, and, and I'm producing three times as much as I ever produced before. This is a very powerful technique, one of the most powerful I've ever learned. What are your big three? And once you've decided what they are, then do them more of the time and then get better at them. The best, one of the best time management techniques I've ever heard of is get better. Just get better at the most valuable things that you do because that can have a bigger multiplier effect than almost anything else. Now, here's the next time management technique. Make a list before you begin, preferably the night before, and also make a not-to-do list. Each of us needs a list of things to do. Each of us needs a not-to-do list of things not to do. Remember, the danger of the comfort zone is we get into a habit of doing things that we're comfortable with. And sometimes when we get promoted, we keep on doing the old things that we're not supposed to be doing anymore. Peter Drucker says, the number one reason for failure in management is people fail to adapt to the responsibilities of the new job and keep almost like a drunk falling off a chair. They keep going back to what they were doing before rather than doing the new, bigger, more valuable tasks they need to do today. Often when we're young, we get into a habit of doing things that we enjoy, but when we are promoted upward, we can't do those things anymore. I'll give you a very simple example, which profoundly changes our uh, clients, is we say, once you reach a certain income level, you need a personal assistant to do all the little things. People say, I can't afford a personal assistant, I can't, yes, you can because a personal assistant can do all the $10 work to free you up to do $50 work. And everybody who hires a personal assistant, part-time or full-time, starts to double their income. And so fast, within 30 days, they're earning twice as much as they ever did before. I remember when Barbara and I started our business, I started, I started off when I was 13 years old with a lawn mowing business. And I built my lawn mowing business and I was earning more than my father by the time I was 15. And so when I got my own home, I went back, I wanted to be, mow my own lawn. I love to mow lawns. I love to mow them and edge them. So I went out and bought a lawnmower and equipment. And every Saturday, I'd go out there and I'd mow the lawn and take about two hours. And I'd be all covered with dust and dirt and grime and sweat and grass and everything else. And come in and take me an hour to cool down and get showered and relaxed and everything else. And I do this every Saturday. This is my, well, one day I had a speaking engagement on Saturday. And I got home in the afternoon and my lawn had been mowed. Oh, I drove up the driveway, and Milano had been mowed. I, I was planning to do that this afternoon. And I walked in, I didn't say, hi, honey. I said, who mowed my lawn? <laughs> and she said, Brian, you cannot afford to mow your own lawn anymore. I said, well, it only takes a couple of hours. Brian, I hired a boy down the street for $6 an hour to mow your lawn. And he did just as good a job as you. And you, it's better that you come and sit or play with the kids rather than to mow the lawn and sit there sweating and take a shower, you can't afford to mow your own lawn anymore. You earn too much money. You've got to hire somebody who earns less. So I said, hmm. I, I went off and I grumbled and sulked like men do. Mm. And I finally came back and I admitted to her that she was right. 
And then the next week, she sold my lawnmower and equipment so I couldn't fall back. <laughs> so I never mowed another lawn. I never mowed my lawn again. I said, okay, well, you cannot afford to wash, do the own, your own laundry anymore or clean the house. Wait a minute. You know, women who eat beef, you know, we meet me, we, we do all the housework, you know, make a man out of you, that sort of thing, meat in the pan, you know. All. And I said, no, you can't afford to do your own house cleaning anymore. So I hire her housekeeper who does all the house cleaning and does the laundry and does the picking up of the groceries and does the running of the house and runs errands and everything else so that Barbara is free of that. At a certain stage in your success, you can't afford to do the little jobs that you were doing when you were young and poor. Sometimes when Barbara and I go out to a restaurant and we say, she says, oh, we, we can't, I can't eat all that. We're talking about what we're going to order. I can't eat all that. I said, honey, you don't have to eat it all. We're not poor anymore. You don't have to clean your plate. You don't have to do your own dog work, your own Joe work, your own little work anymore. You're not poor anymore. You can hire somebody else to do it. And always, if you can hire somebody else to do work at a lower hourly rate than you aspire to, then hire them to free you up so you can do work of a higher rate. If you can hire somebody who will do it for $10 so that you can do $50 an hour at work, that is the only way that you can really do some broken field running in your career. You've got to keep hiring people who work for a lower hourly rate than you to free up your hours to do stuff that pays more. Really important. So number, uh, make a list before you begin. Make a not-to-do list of the things you're not going to do anymore because they're of low value or no value. And then remember the most important determinant of, of value in your life is the word consequences. This is a word I came across, and I've been writing and speaking on time management for probably 25 years. I'm the best-selling time management author in the world in 38 languages. I am very well-known and respect. I know this subject. I have read it. I study it on a regular basis, like doctors study new medical developments. Here's the important point, is the most important word I came across in my early studies was the word consequences. And something is important to the degree to which it has serious potential consequences. Something is unimportant to the degree which it, to which it has low or no potential consequences. So therefore, you always have to ask before you do or not do something, what are the consequences of doing this or not doing it? If the consequences are low or no consequences at all, then it's not an important task. The reason that people fail is really simple. They spend all their time doing things of no consequence. They do things that have no value at all in the great scheme of things. And eventually, they develop a habit of spending most of their time doing things of no value. As they spend time surfing the internet and listening to music and playing their games on their computer. You know, you know that the, 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 the video game business is now uh, almost as big as books. It's, it's a multi-billion dollar business. There are people who play video games five or six hours a day. They literally get up in the morning and play, and they play at lunch, and they play during work when nobody can catch them and they play in the evenings. And you know, if you played video games all day long and became the finest video game player in the history of man on earth, it would have zero effect on the quality of your life. In fact, it would have negative effect beyond imagination. It would probably destroy most of the rest of your life. If you watched television all day and became the finest television watcher in history, it would do nothing but sabotage all your hopes and dreams for the future. If you read the sports page and read every single score of every single game that was ever played anywhere in the world and memorized those scores and talked about them for hours with your friends, it would have zero effect on your life. Zero. It has no consequences. 
So one of the great thinking disciplines of all is keep asking the word consequences. What are the consequences of doing this or not doing it? So we say here, use the ABCDE method. Many people have told me that this method changed their lives, doubled their income, transformed their productivity, so I have to give it to you. Okay, no extra charge. A is a must do. This is something that has serious consequences if you don't do it. Your boss is going to be mad, your customer is going to be uh, really unhappy. There's serious consequences if you don't do it. So it's something you must do. This is a top priority in your daily work list. A second are things that you should do. Return a phone call, uh, check your email. Uh, it's something that has mild consequences whether you do it or not. A C activity is something that's nice to do, which is go down the hall, talk to a friend, phone somebody, see what's for sale uh, at the store, read the paper. This has, it's nice to do, but it has no consequences at all. So the rule is never do a B when there's an A left undone. Never do a C when there's a B left undone. And if you follow that very simple ABC method, you find that most of your C activities will just die away because they're completely irrelevant to your life. What's the great problem? People flip it over and they spend all day long doing C activities, things that are fun, easy, law of least resistance, comfort zone, and so on. Now D is something that you delegate. And delegate means you delegate everything possible, everything that you possibly can to free up time for the few things that only you can do that will really make a difference in your life. And so sometimes delegating is buying Chinese food and bringing it home so your wife doesn't have to cook because it's a few dollars on Chinese food, saves a couple of hours of preparation and cleanup afterwards. So you keep delegating. Wonderfully enough, we can get so many things outsourced today that it doesn't make any sense to do it yourself. Uh, and that's including gardening and laundry and, 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 and cooking and all kinds of things. So delegate everything in your private life. Delegate everything at work. Even if you enjoy doing it, it's not a good reason. And finally, e eliminate all non-essential uses of time. Keep asking, is this something that may have been worthwhile in the past, but now is a, has a, no value? And it takes tremendous courage to just say, I'm just going to stop doing that completely. And it's amazing how many, how many changes you can make in your life by taking an activity, a chunk of activity. I used to have a friend who was obsessed with golf, likes to play golf five days a week. Got married, had a child, still played golf. Two children, four children, twins, still played golf. And it was destroying his family life and his work life. And one day he woke up well, with a great smack in the face of reality. He realized this golf, which was great when I was single and I was working on commission, and I'm independent, but now that I'm married and running a business with, 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 with children, I can't play golf every day. He cut his golf down to one day, one game a week, transformed his life. He just stopped doing it and freed up all the hours of driving there and all the hours of playing and all the hours of driving back and hanging around the clubhouse and everything else. Sometimes you have to look at things you're doing today and just give them up and just say this was nice at one time, but. It's, there are other things in my life that are far more valuable. And the most valuable thing in your life, by the way, is FaceTime with the most important people in your life. Face-to-face -face time with the most important people in your life. Everything should be relegated to secondary importance because that has the greatest consequences of all for your success and health and happiness. So another time management strategy is set priorities continually on your tasks. Use the 80-20 rule which says that 20% of your activities account for 80% of the value. If you make a list of what you have to do, you'll find that two of, a list of 10 things, two of the 10 account for 80% of the value. 
big rule, not written in here, is resist the temptation to clear up small things first. Small things are like rabbits. They multiply. You start off with small things and we get all the little small things done and the list continues to grow. The list continues to grow. By the way, I said make a list, make a list. Never work without a list. Always write with a list. One of our friends taking the uh, program online was asking, what is my method of setting goals and managing time? I use a piece of paper and a pad of pen, a pad of paper and a pen. I write down everything I have to do in the course of a day, and then I work through that list, starting from the most important. And then the next day, I roll the, what I haven't done forward, and I work on that list starting first thing in the morning. In terms of goals, I rewrite my goals in a spiral notebook every day. If you start to rewrite your goals every day in a spiral notebook, here's the rule. You don't look back. What you do is you clean over, turn over a clean sheet and write down 10 goals every day. Every day you start off by writing down 10 goals. It takes two to three minutes, and what will happen over time is your goals will change. The way that you describe the goals will change, the words, and certain goals will drop off and other goals will pop on, and soon you'll find yourself writing the same goals and the same words and the same sequence every day, and your whole life will explode. You'll start to accomplish things that you cannot imagine. Daily goal setting is one of the most powerful success techniques I've ever discovered in my life. Every person that we teach this comes back and says, whoa, you know, OMG, OMG. Within 30 days, their life has changed profoundly. They're achieving goals they thought they would take years to achieve. Write it down every day. Plan every day in advance. Rewrite your goals every day. Now, B, big question that we always encourage people to ask is, why are you on the payroll? Why are you on the payroll? Why do they pay you money? Which goes back to the big three. What are the big three reasons or ways that you make the greatest contribution? And sometimes we'll teach corporations, and they'll go around, and people will say, what are you doing there, Bill? What are you doing there, Bryce? Is, there Brent? is it Brent? What are you doing there, Brent? And he said, I'm working on that. He said, is that why you're on the payroll? Is that why you're on the payroll? To, you know, to surf the internet and check and see what the movies are for the weekend? Is that why you're on the payroll? And so people will do this and they'll police each other. Why are you on the payroll? Is that why you're on the payroll? Sometimes if you work for a company and you have a boss, go to your boss, make a list of everything you feel that you've been hired to do, the reasons you're on the payroll, Go to your boss and ask your boss to organize the list in order of his priority. What does he think is the most important thing you do? What does he think is the second most important thing you do? And the third most, and then from then on, if you want to be successful, happy, promoted, and well-paid, always work on your boss's top priorities. Always work on what your boss considers to be the most important thing that you can be doing, and your whole work life will change. I know lots of good stuff. I write hundreds of pages of books on it. Uh, C, what can you and only you do that if done well will make a real difference? This is one of the probably the five to seven most important time management questions in the world. What can you and only you do? And this applies to your work, it applies to your private life, even with regard to exercise. As Shalene was talking about, only you can exercise. Only you can get up and exercise. Only you can eat for yourself, only you can make the decisions on personal development, only you can go to courses, only you can read books, only you can learn good things. There's things that only you can do, but if you do do them and do them really well, they make an extraordinary difference in your life. If you don't do them, nobody else can do them for you. And many people are, are waiting for someone else to come along and do it. So what can you do in your work? And only you do that if it's done really well will make an enormous difference. 
And that becomes a place where you focus a skill that you develop or a task or activity that you work on. And by the way, this answer can change every hour. You can come in Monday morning and say, what can I and only I do? And just make, make, make appointments with new prospects, is call customers, is make sales, kick butt, take names. That's the only thing, it's, that if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. And <laughs> if I don't do it, I won't be able to come here anymore. Um, so D is, what is the most valuable use of your time right now? This is the greatest of all time management questions. It actually is the organizing question of all time management. And there is a beautiful one-liner I learned, and it's, it's in your notes introducing this session. I was talking to a time management expert with the Covey organization some years ago, and he told me something I never forgot, and I want to pass it on to you. He said he's been teaching time management courses, seminars, workshops, and everything else. And he said, you know what time management is? Time management is the ability to control the sequence of events, to decide what you do first, what you do second, what you do third, and what you do not at all. All of life management, all of time management, all the quality of your life and all your happiness and health and wealth and everything that happens to you will be determined by the sequence of events that you choose. You choose what to do first, get up at 5.30 and exercise, or sleep in, get up at the last minute, drink a cup of coffee, eat a muffin, and rush off to work listening to Rush Limbaugh. You know? uh, which of those two do you think is going to have the most positive effect on your life? So, so choosing the sequence. What do you do first? What do you do second? What do you do not at all? I'll give you a very simple example. When you come home at night, don't turn on the television. Speak to the people who are there. Communicate. Talk to them. Rebuild relationships. What do most people do? Men especially, terrible, walk in and say, where's the control? Where's that control? I pay for that control. Where's that? You give me that control. That's I pay for that control. You give me that control. Get out of here. I'm going to control. Turn on the television. As soon as you turn on the television, all family communication stops. It's all over. And people say, well, no, but we're all there in the same room. I said, you, you, as far as, as your family is concerned, if you're sitting there watching television, you might as well rent a room in a Motel 6 off the freeway and sit there and watch television because you may be physically present but you're mentally and emotionally absent. You men cannot concentrate on two things at once. If the television's on, they can't, they're completely unaware of anything else. Women will talk to them and they don't even hear. Kids will have, things will be, people will break, will fall down, bleed, dishes will crash, the fire will be on the back of them. They don't see a thing, just watching the television. And men don't care what's on television, by the way, they only care what else is on television. <laughs> that's, that's why the remote control is, for men, it's the greatest invention since the history of man on earth, you know, since girls. Um, <laughs> girls were the greatest invention. All right. Uh, so time management said number six is single handling. Once you begin on your most important task, work on it until it's 100% complete. Again, if you can do this, choose the sequence of events and say, what is the most important thing I could be doing right now? And then start on that and work on that only until it's done. If you can do that, pick the most important task that only you can do and that has to be done, the most valuable use of your time, and start on it and do it till it's finished. If you can develop a habit to, of starting and completing your major task, you will double, triple, five times your productivity and output. But here is the great benefit. The great benefit is when you start and complete major tasks, you get an endorphin rush. 
You feel like a winner you, because you're winning. Your self-esteem and self-confidence goes up. You are happier. You have more creativity. I mean, it's, it's, you, you get a natural high. It's what is called a positive addiction by starting and completing important tasks. So therefore, doing it has nothing even to do with your work. It has to do with feeling fabulous about yourself. So number seven is work all the time you work. This, again, is one of the greatest time, principles of, time management principles of all, is when you go to work, work. Put your head down and work. And don't play. Don't uh, surf the internet, listen to the radio, make phone calls, read the paper. When you go to work, work like you've got a gun to your head. Work like you've got a gun to your head, like your boss is standing there and he's got a gun to your head if you stop working. And just work all day long. If you just work all time, all day without stopping and starting and doing other things, you'll increase your productivity by as much as 500% according to the statistics. We were at a conference last week with this person talking about the myth of multitasking. Multitasking is really multiple tasking. Is what you're doing, it's, he calls it switch tasking. Is you're not really doing several tasks because you can only do one thing at once. You can only drive one car at once. You can only ride one bicycle at once. What you're doing is you're stopping this task and switching to this task and starting this task. Then, if you switch back, you switch back and you start this task, or you go to this task and switch, and then you have to go back to this task, but you forget where you were, so you have to go back into the task to figure out where you were when you quit, and then you have to start over again, and by the time you have switched enough tasks, you've wasted as much as 80% of your working day just trying to figure out where you were and getting caught up. Also, the quality of your work deteriorates dramatically because you're much more likely to make mistakes when you switch tasks. So this idea, I can do lots of things at once, is a fantasy. It's a fantasy for unproductive people who have no future. All right. Number eight, practice the 40 plus formula for work. For success, that means every hour over 40 is an investment in your future. If all you work is 40 hours, all you get is wages, all you get is a lifetime of bills, you never get free, and you never get ahead. It's every hour over 40 is an investment in your future. As I told you before, the highest paid people in our society work an average of 59 to 60 hours. And because so, they're doing work that they enjoy and they're doing it well, <laughs> they don't even notice it. And how do you get 59 to 60 hours? Well, you can work six 10-hour days. That's not so hard. Or you can work five 12-hour days. Most people choose six 10-hour days. How do you get 10 hours? Well, you get going around 8 o'clock in the morning, and you finish around 6. Boy, that's not a killer. Uh, that's 10 hours. If you do that six days a week, you'll be in the highest paid, most productive category of human beings on this earth today. And then what you do is you make sure you make every minute count during those 10 hours, and you'll be astonished at how much you get done. And remember, if you want to earn more, you have to learn more. If you want to earn more, you have to be more productive. And to be more productive means you have to not only put more time in, but more productivity into the time. So the 40 plus formula says that you can predict your future with unerring accuracy by looking at how many hours you put in over 40 each week. If you're only putting in 40 hours, the studies, by the way, that just came out quite interesting, what they found is the average American who gets paid for a 40-hour week only works 32 hours. Why? Because if you take coffee breaks and lunches and chats and parking the car and things like that, they take about an, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes off each hour, they take about eight hours off, I'm sorry, eight hours off each week just in idle things, and of those, they waste 50%. So the average American salary today is being watered down and dumbed down to about 16 hours worth of work a week. And if they're not careful, the 50% of time that they do work, they do low value activities. 
So you wonder why people get laid off and never get hired again? Is people recognize and just can't hire them. They're just, not that they're not bad people, it's just that nobody ever taught them how to work. And what they do is they not only not work, they waste everybody else's time at work by keeping uh, them preoccupied. So number B is start earlier, work harder, stay later. That's all. If you were to go in an hour earlier, work through lunch, and stay an hour later, you'd be into work by 8, and you would be out by 6. That's your 10 hours. You would beat the traffic on the way in, you'd beat the traffic on the way home, and you would double your productivity. Within a very short time, catch-up time, you'd double your income. You'd become one of the most valuable and most productive people in your field, and everybody would be astonished at how much you get done. If you come in an hour early, there's nobody there. They don't come in until starting time. If you stay an hour after work, there's nobody there. So you can get your whole day planned and organized when you're there. You can get all caught up in the end. If you stay and work at lunch, what happens is you uh, get another hour's worth of work done because everybody feels that it is mandatory under the Constitution of the United States to flee the office for an hour for lunchtime every day. And so they're gone. You could, send, you could, you could have a bomb scare at noon and nobody would be in danger. Uh, we have a sign on our office wall that says, in case of fire, do not panic. Just leave the office at the same speed that you normally do at 5 o'clock every day. <laughs> Actually, that's a joke because everybody in our company works much harder. Um, so practice the 40-plus formulas. Just start a little earlier, work a little harder, stay a little later. And if you're going to work all the time, work all the time. Don't waste your time while you're there. Work all the time. Number uh, C is develop a sense of urgency, a bias for action. What we say is do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Back to work. Back to work. The most powerful words you can use, when somebody says to you, uh, have you, hi, have you got a minute to chat? You say, well, yes, I would love to talk, but right now I've got to get back to work. Say it. Say, say back to work. Back, back to work. work. So say, I've got to get back to work because nobody's going to stop you from getting back to work. I've got to get this job done. I've got to get back to work. Let's talk a little bit later, okay? Let's talk after work. Right now I've got to get back to work, back to work, back to work. If you find yourself slacking off, you know, getting a little bit, I'm going to get a cup of coffee, go for a walk go waste somebody else's time, and so on. Be a pain in the neck, a pest, you know. It's what you do, you say, wait a minute, back to work. Wait a minute, back to work. And you force yourself. You just keep saying, back to work, back to work, back to work, until finally it locks in. And pretty soon when you feel yourself, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go and do this, wait a minute, it'll click in, hey, get back to work. That voice in the back of your head, get back to work and get this job done. So it's really important. And woo, woo, okay. So the, the, the final point that I want to make is that the quality, as Peter Drucker said, you cannot manage time, you can only manage yourself. And time management is really personal management. And when I began to study time management, I could do a full day course on it. When I began to study time management, I thought it was a peripheral subject, sort of like bowling or some activity that you do on the side, skiing that you do occasionally. And then I realized that time management was not a planet that revolved around the sun of my life. The time management was the planet of my life, and everything else in my life was a planet that revolved around it. Once I made that switch and realized that the use of my time determined the entire quality of my life, the entire quality of my life changed. Today, I publish, write and publish four books a year. I give 60 to 100 talks a year all over the world. I work in my business. I give a multiple, multitude of seminars. In the last three months, I have produced five 12-hour audio programs with about two hours worth of PDF notes that go with it, almost 100 hours of work. Uh, and I'm leaving for um, Stockholm and uh, Poland on Monday. And meantime, I will be working 
on the way there. And people say, how do you get so much done? I produce over 500 videos and audio programs. How do you get so much done? Just use my time. Choose the sequence of events. Set priorities. Do A tasks. Get started and keep working until it's done. These are all things that you can learn. And when you learn these things, the quality of your life explodes. And the wonderful thing is you feel wonderful about yourself. People say, well, aren't you supposed to have fun at work? No. Whoever told you you're supposed to have fun at work? That's not true. You're supposed to work when you work. When you go to work, they say, here, I'll give you $20 per hour if you'll give me $20 worth of work back. OK, is that the deal? That's the deal. OK, you're hired. That's the employment contract. You promise to give a certain quality and quantity of work, like a certain quantity and quality of apples and oranges, and in return, they give you money. OK, so you got a deal here. You made a deal. You made a promise. This is my deal. I'll give you the work if you give me the money. If they're giving you the money, then you owe it to them to give them the work. They didn't say, would you please come here and have fun and chat with your friends and laugh and go ha 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 and go for lunch and go drinking after work. Would you, would you, would you take $20 an hour for doing that, please? That wasn't the contract. So therefore, work is actually only fun when it's really productive, when you're really getting a lot done, when you feel really good about yourself. And your self-esteem goes up. The esteem of other people goes up. Your pride goes up. Your confidence goes up. Your sense of personal power goes up when you're a productive person and you're working all the time you work. So don't listen to those people. This way you're supposed to have fun, fun, fun at work. These people have no future. They have a shaky past, like being on ice that's breaking, and no future. And many of them are having a chance now to watch television all day. Millions of them are at home watching televisions. Because in work, who do you think is the first person who is encouraged to go home and watch television? The most productive or the least productive? And so what do they do when they lay off? They cut from the bottom. Least, 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 least. Your goal is to be known as the hardest working person in your industry. Your goal is to be known as the hardest working person in your industry. And so every day you say, that's your ideal. Am I acting like the hardest working person in my industry? If you're not, say back to work, back to work, back to work. And now the day is over and it's late, but it's time to go and drink. This audio is sponsored by Brian Tracy, a special initiative from Brian Tracy for Change Your Life. Please check the description below link for more details, or visit our official website www.motivationalspeech.xyz.